Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we are lucky enough to be joined by the man himself, Johnny Johnson. He's the host of the very popular bass fishing TV show, Fishing with Johnny Johnson. Uh, he's also a, a very accomplished tournament angler, and uh, we had a blast talking to him. We talked about wide variety of stuff. Uh, we also introduced our uh, new member of the crew, uh, Ryan McKenzie. So hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. This is an episode of many firsts for us. It's our first Zoom episode, so hopefully we are actually recording. We actually have no idea how to use Zoom. Um, and also our first episode with our new buddy, Ryan. So we'll get to Ryan. We'll introduce him in a minute, but uh, we'll kind of do our, our normal loop around the table, and uh, we'll get to Ryan and uh, introduce him, let him tell you a little bit about who he is and what he does. But uh, Rob... Um, Dude, I know you've been faking a hand injury for a while. Um, right. You don't want to. You don't want to fish. We're getting into the electronics deep water fishing season, so Rob didn't want to have to guide during this time. So, um, <laughs> how's your hand doing, dude? It's doing good. Um, I feel bad for my wife because I just keep complaining and whining about not being able to do anything. But uh, she actually told me to stop complaining, so that's all good. You, but, you actually I, had I, I, surgery though. I did have surgery on uh, Tuesday morning. So they um, supposedly opened up what they call the Guyan canal in your hand or your wrist. Uh, it's where the ulnar nerve goes through. Um, so basically about three months ago, I just all of a sudden one day I had no strength in my hand, um, had a little bit of numbness. Um, and obviously it's all from everything I've ever done. It's like repetitive type stuff, fishing for one, uh, construction work. Um, mountain biking is probably one of the biggest ones because it just crushes your hand right in that one spot. So, um, so it was just one of those deals. And hopefully I get some of it back. The doctor said there's a chance I won't. It, it'll be terrible for my fishing if I don't. Because oh. uh, Josh and I fished the Larry Hardy Memorial Tournament. Well, this was going on and there was times where I'd have to push the button on my baitcaster with my other hand. So That's uh, anyhow, enough whining about that, but it's, uh, hopefully it'll get better. I've got a, an appointment a week from Monday and we'll find out more. So. Is that when the cast comes off? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I can't wait for, dude. That is, again, I'm whining, but that's the worst part is the cast. There's the pain is minimal. So one of the most glorious <laughs> moments is when you can finally scratch the itch that you have deep down in there that's oh, going to yeah. be amazing you have like seven minutes of ecstasy yes it'll be fantastic get like a salad for so you can really just get it dude i've been shoving like plastic knives and stuff down there to scratch it's like it's terrible but we whatever. should invent something the cast scratcher yes be like a pipe cleaner only like more aggressive more medieval yeah yeah so i know my whining is it is what it is but i just i keep complaining about it so well, we just but. lost six of our last seven listeners so thanks rob <laughs> nick when you broke your foot how long did you wear your cast dude i so i had a soft cast like what looks like rob has there we have like 600 ace bandages and then some piece of like hard foamy stuff right i had yep. that thing on for six weeks man and when oh. I cracked that thing off, I think I had like two or three forks going at one time, scratching all that. It was, I really didn't. That's disgusting, but it was yeah. miserable. Yeah. That's the worst part. The pain is, that is what it is. Right. But the, but it's so itchy. Yes. Yeah. First world problems. Yep. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I can get back to fishing here pretty soon though. So, and just so you, everyday things. You mountain bike, huh? I do quite a bit actually. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Me too. I got really right on. 
carbon fiber. Awesome. Where do you ride? Uh, a mixture. I try and stay somewhat close, but like we've done a lot of Sedona, Flagstaff. Yeah. Um, down here, like Brown's Ranch, okay. uh, Apache Wash. Have you ridden Hawes at all? No, I keep hearing okay. about it. Yeah, I can ride out of the back of my neighborhood onto the trail, so oh, I'm awesome. pretty pretty spoiled yeah. with that. But I yeah. used to live in uh, Fireside at Norterra, uh-huh. and I could ride right on out into the mountain preserve there. That's yeah. awesome. It was nice. Yeah. But Maybe without further ado, we can talk a little bit about Ryan. Yeah, Maybe Rob and Ryan forward. just became best friends. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Talking about mountain <laughs> bikes here. That's been a constant thing, man. Ryan's like the fourth corner of this square that actually brings us up to legitimacy. Apparently, he and Rob have a best friendship. He restored a 176 <laughs> champion. He actually knows two things about electronics, which is two more than us. This is we're we're on our way, man. This is going to catapult us beyond the top. Sounds good. Yeah. So hey, uh, for the listeners, you know, we talked about Ryan a little bit in our last episode. We went out and did some filming. Uh, Ryan's a professional videographer. He's got his own business. Uh, it's it's called Shot by Ryan, right? Uh, well, that's just a name I go by, like on my okay. social media stuff, but. Uh, the actual business is called Genesis, the creative company. Um, and that one does uh, basically a lot of corporate commercial stuff. Um, anywhere, tons of different things. I like to switch it up. Any, like music videos, I've, I've traveled around doing documentaries for SpaceX. Um, just a nice mix of things, which that's how I like it. I don't, that keeps that it sounds fresh. like a, a really yeah, boring office job. I can't do the nine to five stuff and... Uh, so this fit me perfectly and it, it lets me be creative. And, uh, and then my wife runs uh, a wedding film business. So I still shoot a lot of those and uh, it's hard to let those go. I mean, I've shot hundreds of weddings now, but it's like the one day that they're willing to spend a lot of money. So I'm like, eh, I'll keep doing them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Dude, did you meet Elon Musk when you did SpaceX? Yeah. I, I didn't no shake hands with him, but each time there was a launch and it was successful, they'd have a, a big uh, party afterwards at a vineyard. Uh-huh. And so we went to multiple vineyards and uh, he showed up to one of them. Nice, dude. That's that's big time, man. He's like cult, cult icon of our generation. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah it was cool. I'm waiting for him to design an outboard motor. True. He might have to, dude, the way it's, things it's are coming, going. Right? Dude, yeah. you know it. we're going to have electric outboards at some point. It's, it's, it's in the, it's on the radar for the companies that are making outboards right now and who the heck knows how long it's going to take and how good they're going to be. But it's not like right here, but it's definitely on the radar. But yeah. Who knows? Someone who will knows? come up. They'll probably come out with the entire rig, the boat and the motor all combined. That's, yeah. that's what'll probably it's gonna happen. It's going to be the Tesla model B. Yep. You yeah. won't have this so, something hanging off the back of your boat anymore, huh? It's just going to be like a little just yeah. sled. Yep. Be sweet. Huh. Interesting. Uh, well, cool, man. Uh, we're glad to have you on, dude. We're looking forward to having some, having some fun, uh, real quick, you know, let's just talk about, um, it, like your fishing background, why, why you've kind of taken to fishing so much, man. I know, uh, you got more seriously into bass fishing the last couple of years, but have you fished since you were a kid? Yeah, I've fished my whole life. I've been obsessed with it. You know, you guys probably have similar stories, but like you go past a body of water and you're just thinking like, I wonder what's in there. I wonder if there's any fish in there and I used to drive my parents crazy just like asking them you know what kind what kind of fish do you think is in there and and uh so I, I've loved it my whole life uh, long story short um never focused on one specific you know species of fish um 
and never really studied it, just kind of bought what looked good and started throwing it out there and caught a lot of fish. Um, but yeah, the last couple of years I've got into bass fishing and, um, there's not a lot of competition in my life now getting older. So I like the competitive side of, of the tournament stuff. Um, just getting into it. I've done like five or six, um, most of those being a co-angler and, uh, I actually started learning a lot and going out with Matt Shura. Um, we kind of had a podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. We kind of had a little deal where, um, I was doing some videos for him and, and I was learning a lot going out with him. Um, so that kind of got me going as well. And then, uh, did some stuff with Scooter. And I know he was on the podcast as well. Yeah, He's our boy as well. I actually fished my first tournament with him out at Lake Mead. So that was a, a break in because there were some heavy winds out there too. And yeah, we were skipping along on top of the waves and his bass cat. And you know how he is with the bass cats. So I thought you were going to say the heavy breaking was just having to fish with Scooter. The weather is what the weather is. So hey. I went the wrong way there. <laughs> and Scooter's yeah. going to listen. But I remember before that tournament, Scooter must have asked me 30 times to borrow my YOLO stick. Yeah. And uh, I was hilarious. like, why the heck does he want a YOLO stick so bad all of a sudden? He didn't explain what they were doing. And I think he ended up buying one anyways because I was out of town. But, like, he's like, hey, uh, by the way, about that YOLO stick, about that YOLO stick. And I'm like, dude. No, he was he was awesome. He it was definitely a break-in period and I learned a lot in multiple ways on that trip. And, uh, my wrist probably hurt for about two weeks after that, just from he's, he's a power fisherman. Like he's a heck of we a reaction. Fisherman, those, huh? Oh yeah. He was like, just bomb the spinner bait as far as you can out that way. And and I didn't know him for can. like an hour straight and heavy winds, the boat rock and like this, it's like, so yeah, I learned a lot. What what were your experiences as you said you fished that as a co-angler or was that a team deal? That was a, a Wild West Bass Open out there. It was okay. a team. They they signed yeah. up as a team. Yeah. Did you fish any? Have you fished any as a co-angler like in a draw tournament yet? Where you drew just random partners? Um. Yeah, the U.S. Open two years in a row. Any now. any crazy stories with that? Any partners that just one? I mean, uh, yeah, not really. I mean. The only one I could think of is a guy from Korea came over uh-huh. and spoke no English. So that was I've experienced that before. Yeah, yeah. it's wild. It was, it was a quiet day and it was kind of funny. It was his first time here. And, uh, and I, I just had a feeling to go out to these little bushes. We were having a hard time. And it seems like that lake is full of 12, 13 inch smallmouth. And it is not a whole lot else right now <laughs> but uh i just had he started retying he's like here tro- run the trolling motor uh, so i went up there and brought us over to some some brush and flipped in there and immediately caught a big large mouth and he's like here keep running keep running this and he like wanted me to to run the trolling motor the rest of the time I'm like oh that was luck but okay isn't it cool though like you don't speak the same language but you can communicate fishing oh yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah. That's great. Right on. Uh, well, yeah, I'm sure we'll have a bunch more good stories, you know, as uh, the draw tournaments just breed good stories, man. Like it's sometimes it's a good when you don't have any crazy stories afterwards, but, but the more you you'll fish, get man, one, the more you'll have. Nick's got a few <laughs> as he smirks over there. Uh, and you'll get, yeah. I ended yeah, up so, researching, I ended up researching that guy. He's like top three in uh, Korea. Legit. I, 
Yeah. Right on. That's cool. Um, well, cool. Let's, uh, let's roll over to Nick. What, uh, what's going on your way, dude? Are your Christmas lights up yet? Oh, dude, we look like Clark Griswold. We have soap. No, I, we're, we're kind of Grinches, man. My kids always want me to do stuff, and I suck at that. So that's, that is not my strength. My strength is planning and preparing, dude. A week from tomorrow is when we're blasting off and heading east to Falcon, Mark and I. So that's, a, that's the big carrot at the end of the string right now. I'm pretty excited. I'm watching the weather, hoping that uh, it's warm and stable. But I uh, went and got some Black Friday shopping on and uh, got some warm weather gear so I can nice. – fish through the elements no matter what and uh it's gonna be fun man i'm already predicting it i think i'm I'm probably gonna catch like in an 11 and a half and uh it's gonna come in about 18 feet of water on a carolina rig so you know i've been doing a lot of meditating i broke out the ouija board i lit a few candles and i've been just focusing and and so far that's what's come in front of mind is that so i plan on that it's probably gonna come about halfway through day two you know, and uh, Mark's going to have to lip it for me. So he better, he better show up, you know, if he, if he knocks it off or screws anything up, he's, he's going to have to walk or something back. Cause you know, we're driving together. So where's he coming from? Where's dude, he live? Freaking almost Russia at this point. Dude, he lives in Anchorage, Alaska at the drop of a hat with no further like information whatsoever. Father of three small kids books a ticket to ride with me in my car 15 hours to drive to Zapata, Texas for two days of fishing. So, you know, I think he's clearly replaced you guys as best friends. So yeah, Nick I have a asked, feeling you're going to, you're going to turn that 15 hours into about 12. If you can dodge the deer on the road, dude, we'll just go under him. My car's low yeah. enough. Hey, just, like, smart. Pick him up. Yeah. You better, when you get, yeah. When you get close to dusk over there, you're going to have to really, uh, throttle down paying attention. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the story about a, our late buddy, Steve Sherninsky? We drove to uh, Lake Amistad. I, I want to hear it. Yeah, give it to me. Oh, he, he was so oblivious to what was on the road. Like we get there. I'm like, dude, did you see all the deer alongside the road? He goes, no, not one. We literally <laughs> passed 150 deer. Were you in separate vehicles? Yes. Yes. I've had would, this happen with Perch and I never saw anything. And he'd see like 10 elk driving through... Uh, <laughs> driving uh the 260 back uh-huh. uh, towards Payson. those are skinwalkers that purchase he and though dude yeah it must real be elk. crazy so what was steve doing was he just like me and just like not even paying attention while just oblivious that's just how he drove he would just be like kicked back just rolling down the highway dude you guys are driving like three quarter ton diesel trucks at that time probably right i think he had his big dually so he would have a motor a deer is a speed bump it's like hitting a large bug you just kind of and then just keep going yeah, it's going to be more than a large bug on the Hellcat, though, so be careful. Dude, and it's got fresh tires, so I'm, I think the drive is as exciting as the fact that it's just going to be, like, freezing cold, and I'll probably catch nothing for two days. But. Oh, dude, it's going to be an awesome trip, and he, he's going with Matt Reed. Have you talked uh, to Matt at all about the bite since you uh, booked not, it originally? Yeah, not recently, but, uh, you know, he did. He's a, he's a proper fishing guide, so he did a great job of, you know, teasing out really high expectations with like pictures of what they've caught recently and then tempering them with no guarantees but you know i'm I'm gonna hold him to that dude i feel like that was a guarantee and uh anything less is just gonna severely affect his tip i think it'll there i think it'll be great (laughs) it's gonna be awesome man i can't wait he seems i met him once before but he's a he's a great guy and we're gonna have a really good time and you know honest to god double digit bass 
high horsepower cars on long desolate stretches of highway aside the most exciting part of this trip is the stripes breakfast burritos i cannot wait to eat me those gas station burritos man those are like culinary perfection Burrito taco company oh and the Laredo top that's what it all is the dude no that's what it is oh, in there part yeah. of the stripes yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. they they do it right man they got those like little homemade flour tortillas they got beans and chorizo and I feel bad for anyone who's gonna have to stand next to me and smell the aftermath of that, but it is gonna be glorious. What's uh what what's the biggest fish you guys have heard caught out of that lake? That's a good question, man. I wonder what the lake record is. It's gotta be like mid to high teens, right? I would say I would say fifteen easily, but maybe it's way bigger than that. I and that's a guess, but uh I don't know. I feel like if it was a seventeen or eighteen, like it would have been who knows? I'm not even I can't even say. Are you, gonna we'll try to look it stay on the, are you going to try and stay on the U.S. side or are you going to venture know, v- into the- Viva Mexico, man. I plan on going over there and taking selfies with all the panga fishermen. No, I don't know, dude. It'll just be up to wherever he wants to Wherever take Matt takes them. Yeah, didn't, yeah. You rent, didn't you rent jet skis for the afternoon when you're done fishing? <laughs> I did, yeah. And I plan on never <laughs> returning to my trailer. So it'll we'll be fine. I'll, we'll just donate that thing to like Cars for Kids or something. Nice. Yeah, and check out that underwater cemetery over there in that uh... – so I town. hear you got to deflect the square bills off the gravestones. That's the nice. bite that they're on right now. So That's they're cool. knocking them dead. We just took a turn for the dark. I like yes, this. We did. This is good. Well, Josh, tell us about you and then tell us about who we have coming on today. This is like big time and in a small town. Yeah. So it's been a, I've had a great week actually, just kind of uh, laid low with the family. I got a new truck. I drove up to Hatch Toyota last week and picked up a new Tundra. Um, looks just like my old one. I mean, same color, same everything. It's just, it's got a couple new safety features and things like that. But one of the, the things that I think is cool about Toyota is like, you know, hey, when, when they make a good vehicle, they don't just change it every year. You know, they, uh, Tundras have been very similar for the last, if you look at a, a 2014 Tundra and a, a 2021 Tundra, they, they're similar, but they're just great trucks and they're, they're reliable. I'm renewed for, it's going to be eligible for bonus bucks for another five years. So that's a really big deal. Just being eligible for that. My old truck was about to, um, Oh, look at that. So a gift from zoom running out of time. We've removed the 40 minute time limit on your group meeting. How nice. They <laughs> recognize you, our firepower. I mean, they, like we're really putting them us. on the Yeah. Map. Yeah. They know we're going to, well, they just got a <laughs> shout out. Um, so bonus it, bucks, huh? Renewed. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It's, it's renewed for that. My old truck was about to expire. So, uh, love the new truck, just kind of getting it all set up. I've got to put some tires on it and do a couple things, but it's, uh, it's so to... supercharger install straight pipes, 44s. Where are we going with this thing? Roy's got a supercharger in his Tundra. Right. I believe it's, it, man. Uh, it's why intense, it beats you. Dude. Yeah. yeah. It'll, <laughs> put, it'll put you into the back of your, it's, it's amazing, dude, actually, but it's not, not so much my style. <laughs> so so slow so politically correct come on he's got to go out to florida multiple times a, a year right so yeah. he shaved 33 yeah. percent of time off for yeah, sure you got to get bigger fuel injectors though and that's everything fuel. it does it does burn a little extra gas for sure like when we stop at a gas station he's always quite a bit lower than me uh with his driving yeah. habits and the supercharger for sure the small price to pay for all those bald eagles more bald eagles come on man uh 
So other than that, not too much. I got a pork butt on the grill on Sunday. Uh, so going to watch some football and eat that thing tonight, do a little fishing at Lake Pleasant this week. And, you know, I'm just kind of wrapping up all the stuff on the sponsor front and, and doing some research for next year. So uh, December is like the slowest, best month for me. Like January, things get absolutely nuts trying to get ready for the season that starts in February. So I've been doing uh, just a lot of uh, a, a lot of good downtime stuff. Um, I did want to mention yesterday, I, th- I know you guys saw it on social media, same with the listeners, but it was Aaron Martin's Appreciation Day. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Have you ever seen so many fishermen band together and, and just talk about one thing so much? It's, a, it's incredible. It's awesome. Awesome to see. It's, yeah. uh, Aaron's going through, obviously, a pretty tough time if you've been following the, the fishing world at all. Uh, but man, he's handling it so well. And, uh, you know, we've talked about him on the show before. I've, I've probably, I've, I've probably given three or four Aaron Martin stories on the podcast, uh, since the podcast started, but man, we're, we're all thinking about him and it is cool to see literally, I mean, no matter, no matter who you are and what tournaments you fish, or even if you don't fish tournaments, everyone has, uh, had kind things to say about him. So it's crazy how one guy, has such a universal everyone loves them so universally man like you don't see that in, in other sports too much right yeah, yeah it's, it's a special thing i think uh, a lot of people have been uh affected in their lives too with some sort of cancer or somebody they know so it like kind of hits home with that too it's a very good sure. point man yeah it's yeah, a really good point you're totally right yeah yeah um and then the last thing, the last housekeeping thing, before we get to our, our guest, Johnny Johnson, hosted Johnny Johnson Fishing, uh, the Johnny Johnson Fishing Show on TV, tournament angler, great guy. We're stoked to talk to him. Uh, last housekeeping, did you guys see the tournament that just went down at Lake Cumberland? It was the FLW Toyota Series Championship. Did you follow that at all? I saw a little bit of it. I didn't follow it a ton. I just saw the weather was absolutely horrid, huh? I know they were, it was awesome that they were fishing for so much money. We'll talk about that. But when I saw the photos from practice that our buddies were posting up that fished the Toyota series, I was like, thank God I'm not there. And the reason it's so cold is everything got pushed back with COVID. This tournament would normally be in October. It's been October every year and that's fine. But they're in like, I think it's like kind of Northeast Tennessee and, uh, and it's December. I mean, anything can happen weather-wise in December and, uh, like a couple of the days, the low was like 20, the high was uh, 37, and it snowed and rained and it blew, like just so miserable. Guys were waking up with four inches, five inches of snow on their boats, like brutal. That's, that's somewhat abnormal for there, isn't it? I think that's like a lot of the time that's like what they get for the year. That's what I've heard. But. That's interesting. Well, I feel bad Maybe for them. They hit it just wrong. <laughs> that, that looked horrible. Yeah. Yikes. But they fished for 235 grand for first place. It was two, I guess 200 grand and plus a, a bonus if you're running a certain boat. So um, I guess the, the, the dudes that won it, they really earned it. And um, congrats to everyone that, that braved those conditions and got through the week. Um, I do want to make, since we have a lot of Western listeners, I kind of want to reach out to a lot of the Western listeners on the podcast here because Last year's last year was a crazy year, obviously with COVID, and, and people's everyone's plans changed and things got really messed up. A lot of tournaments had poor turnouts, but uh, you know some of our Western Series Toyota tournaments only had like sixty or seventy boats, and uh, 
if if that happens again next year, like I mean, it, it's even been talked about publicly, like we may lose the Toyotas out west, and we don't want FLW to pull out from fishing out west, you know, and to have an opportunity to fish tournaments like that to where you can qualify for a no entry fee championship where you can make where you could win that kind of money and not just that just take your fishing to to the next level like i mean as far as what we've got in the west we've got some amazing like standalone tournaments that we all love fishing we all love fishing the u.s open we love fishing uh all the bigger tournaments out here but flw is really the only circuit major league fishing now that they're they're combined that actually has like a long end game end game where you can really legitimately do it for a living so uh i don't want to like harp on on anyone out here because hey like uh everyone's fishing what what they can and what's best for them but if you really want to try to have a future in professional fishing you live out west and you're looking for tournaments to fish out west you've got to be fishing fishing those toyota series tournaments and uh if we don't show up and we don't start getting over at least over a hundred boats, they're going to pull out. We're not going to have that opportunity in the future. Josh, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, the recipe to become a professional angler is not fishing a regional type circuit. I mean, if it can be regional, but it needs to have an end game. I mean, look what you did by fishing the opens. I mean, that was a regional deal, but it obviously turned into the elites, which turned into, you know, where you're at today. Um, and I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. If I were to, if I wanted to get back into tournaments and wanted to go to a tour level type situation, I would definitely fish those out here, you know, and that's, so just a thought. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. That's cool, man. I agree. I mean, it's just, if, if you, if you do well in any of the standalone tournaments, you did well and that's great and you won money and yep. that's phenomenal, but that's it, right? That's where it ends. But if you, yep. it, it when you're part of a bigger organization like that, it, there's, it, if you do well, the, you, you win the money, it, that's great, but also it, it takes you to that next level and it brings you closer to that top level. So um, anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there. And I had that conversation with Cody Meyer, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. We're like, man, we can't see this go away because like, I mean, he told me his story about how kind of he got his start and he explained how he'd fished back then. It was called like the Rayovac series or something the ever starts, but he uh, did well enough to qualify for the, uh, for the, for their championship and ended up finishing like third in that championship, won like 65 grand, got a ton of coverage and that really his career blossomed from there. Um, but anyways, we're getting, uh, Johnny's about ready to go and we're getting kind of long on this. So uh, let's, uh, let's swing over to Johnny. I think this is going to be a pretty fun interview. Well, I'm sitting in my garage, you know, we st we do this podcast usually like really early in the mornings because we've got the kids. We don't want to like wake up our kids. So um, Rob's got obviously his his kids are growing out of the house. But uh, Nick Ryan and myself, man, we we've we all got to kind of find a quiet place. And for me, it's the garage. Yeah, I hear you. Well, that's that's kind of it's it's nice. At least you get the uh, smell the fumes of the uh, the motor and feel like you need to get back out there and get to fishing. You know how it is. You can smell that doggone boat. <laughs> oh yeah well dude i'll tell you what i'm not you know i'm not a, a smoker and smoking is horrible for you but like yep. there's something like nostalgic about when you're on the water and you hear or you smell two-stroke oil or you literally smell someone smoking a cigarette it reminds yep. me so much of being a teenager at these local tournaments because dude these dudes would just puff these cigarettes and uh, <laughs> all, everyone's motors were, were old and smoky and stuff it brings me back Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
you're always looking at the back carpet going, I wonder if they dropped something, you know, an ash <laughs> or something on your carpet. You're like, oh, is there a burn on my carpet? <laughs> a lot of us were too scared to say anything about, hey, don't smoke in my boat. I don't want you dropping ashes in the back of my boat. I hear that, man. I hear that. Well, hey, what's going up on the what's going on up on the hill right now, man? What are you doing this week? You know what? It's pretty cold. Uh, you know, it's that time of year. We just finished up our shows for the winter season and uh, get to spend a little family time, which is really cool. This time of year, I like to take that time. Uh, although we have a tournament coming up here in just what a couple weeks or next week <coughs> down there at Lake Pleasant, so I'll be down there seeing you guys, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying it. You know, we're, I've been putting up a lot of, doing the honeydews, uh, putting up a lot of lights at the restaurant there at the picnic basket and uh, uh, trying to get holly jolly, you know. It's that time of year. Have you, have you guys had snow yet? We had a little, I want to call it a dusting. You know, about an inch for us is about what we call a dusting. Uh, a while back, there's some lingering effects from it in some areas, like up at the Pine Top Country Club, but as far as all that goes around my house, it's all melted and gone. We haven't had enough water yet. It, it's kind of spooky because it's really cool to see Roosevelt stay at its, its uh, uh, lake level at this point, you know, because if we get any kind of winter at all, it's going to be full. But so far, we've been running some late winters anyway, but usually by Halloween, we start getting, getting you know, every couple weeks hammered. We, we haven't really gotten anything. Hmm. Does that make a big difference with your with your business, the picnic basket, the restaurant? Do you do you actually see a, a influx in business with folks coming up there when it does snow? Like it's 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 a big deal for the local economy, right? To get snow. Oh yeah, you know it's our slow season right now. Everybody's down there with you guys, but when we get snow, we get the skiers, and it really helps us a bunch. Now, the cool thing is, a sunrise can make snow, and I do believe that they're going to be opening for ski season here in the next week or something like that. I'll, I don't know the exact date. And it really does help our economy up here. We need it because we're a tourist uh, area, you know, with the gas prices being so low the last few years, I'll tell you, we've had a lot of tourists come to visit us. It's been nice. You know, it really has been. The White Mountains was like the White Mountains of old. It was great. <laughs> That's cool. They were the White Mountains. Uh, so uh, I'm sure most of the listeners, if not all of them, have seen your show, man. But um, to put it into perspective, like how successful you've been with this show, how many years has it been on air, man? Like how long have you been doing it? I've been doing it since 1997. What is that, 23, 24 years, something like that, going into my 24th season. Uh, it's crazy. And I feel – Man, it, I don't feel old, but I'm starting to feel a little old when I'm seeing these kids that, you know, like Nick, you know, I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> you know, even when I talked to you and I had you on one of my first show, on one of our, your first show with me, and you told me that you'd been watching it at the age that you'd watched it. And same thing with Ty. Uh, I, I'm feeling old, man. You guys make me feel old. <laughs> I yeah. feel young, but, you know, I can't believe how long it's been. Johnny, we are getting old. Yeah, Rob, I'll tell you what, man. It's been many a years of doing this, and it feels like just yesterday, in all honesty. Yeah, yeah. That means you're having fun, man. That's good. They say if you like what you do, you never work a day in your life. So you're just crushing that. You when know, did, it's When really did you great. start fishing tournaments, Johnny? Because I remember you coming down from the White Mountains probably in the early 90s, late 80s maybe? Uh, it was about mid-80s, late 80s in that area. I started coming yeah. down, 
and uh, fishing. And I'd fish with my dad. You know, we started with the uh, all-star team tournaments, you know, back in the yeah. day. And, and uh, my dad uh, told me I should do the pro circuit. And so I was doing both for a while. But, um, you know, it, yeah, it's been since the 80s, you know, I've been coming down and doing that. And what's so funny about my show is I ended up getting my show the same year that I entered the Bassmaster circuit in 1997 when they came out west. Yeah, when Skeet Reese and all those guys, Mark Kyle, everybody, I think you were in there too, you know, and we were all wanting to do that Western circuit and all excited. And to be honest with you, I didn't have the money back then to, to fish. I had no business even being there. None but of us I'll did. tell you what, I do have one <laughs> feather under my cap, which is really cool. The founder of Bass and uh, Rob, you know, this, the, the founder of Bass, Ray Scott got to weigh my fish and that was cool before he yep. left. So yep. I, I have that under my belt a little bit, but I fished that one uh, half a season and I had to bail and I got my show the same season. So I, I really got lucky. <laughs> it all worked cool. out. <clears throat> so, yeah. so now you do, you, you do both, right? I mean, you, you fish tournaments, you, you do the show. Um, you won the U S open a few years ago. You've been successful on both sides, but like uh, we always talk about like, you know, some of the, some of the more stressful things on the, when it comes to actually filming, I don't think people like realize like the challenges of, of actually hosting a TV show. Like it's an amazing job. It's a job that almost anyone would want to have, but uh, what are some of the more challenging things of, of like hosting a show, running a show, keeping it going? Um, like every year, man, what are the, what are the, the, the toughest things that you face? Well, a lot of it is, you know, I wanted to base my show off of, you know, I was a big fan when I was younger of Bill Dance. And the reason why is because he was entertaining and informative. And uh, I remember a day of Bill Dance when he was filming on regular lakes like the rest of us get to fish on. You'd see him at Sandy Cooper or something, you know. But, um, you know, <clears throat> I talked to him one year and it was in 1997. And it was funny because I just got my show and I'd asked him. Uh, cause we, there was a, uh, we had a deal down there in Phoenix, uh, for a show and we were both with Procraft at the time. And, and, uh, he came in and he actually used my fishing pole, which I swore I'd, I'd put it away and never touch again after he used it in a tank. But, uh, long story short, I asked him what, what's it take to have longevity for a show? And back then there wasn't a whole lot of fishing shows, you know, yeah, Jimmy Houston and stuff. He's like, Johnny, you've got to have entertainment value on television. It has to be entertaining and informative. If you got that, you're going to last a while. I'm like, well, uh, that's just me, you know, and uh, I'll never forget the first season of my show that I started, which thank goodness it was up here and nobody else got to see it. And we won't even put those on. They're terrible because I was trying to be, you know, the Joe Blow fisherman, the, the, you know, the I'm, I'm a great fisherman and, you know, and and it's like you know it really wasn't me i'd been on the bandstand my whole life so i'm more of an entertainer and love to do the things i do and i just like being myself it's a lot easier being myself than somebody i'm not and uh yeah I, i'm a goofy guy but i i enjoy life i enjoy making people laugh i enjoy enjoy it all but uh so i, I i've learned that you know that entertainment side and and the informative side and Josh, to be real honest with you, one of the reasons I've kept tournament fishing is to show, show the folks at home that I can still compete. You know, I want to be able to compete. I love competition. I love tournament fishing, even though I have to do it out west here. Um, but I, I want people, when they're watching the show, to understand that, hey, this guy, 
at least knows what he's talking about a little bit because he's he's doing well in some tournaments, you know. Well, that's huge, so, man. That's, that's because people are going to believe what you say if you can yeah. if you can back up what you say. You know, it's tough to give advice when when you don't have credentials. I agree, and, and so I'm going to tell you one of the toughest parts of my show. And we talked about this. It's funny when we had our little conversation yesterday. Kind of laughed about it, but the hardest part about doing a fishing show just to instead of just going fishing is I can go out and get on a, a, a great day of fishing. Let's say, just say at Bartlett and it's a drop shot kind of day and go, Oh man, it's in my wheelhouse and, and get a show done by noon and go, wow, man, we got a, a nice little drop shot show done, but we still have a half a day and I got to make it's work. It's a job just like anything else. I got to make my time because it costs money to bring a crew. It costs money to come down. I got to utilize my time very valuable. And, and so the, the big thing is I got to sit there and make another show. The hardest part is when you know the bite is a, say, a, whether it's a topwater bite or whether it's a, a drop shot bite, you just did that show, trying to come up with another technique that'll catch fish when you know the other technique is actually the better one for that day. It is tough, man. And you're going an hour, maybe 45 minutes between bites when you know you could catch them every 10 minutes or something on another bite. It makes it for a tough day. And that's when I tell people, this is when it becomes a job. And Josh, you've been out with me. And the other thing is, is, uh, and you've seen it with me when we go out there, I'm always worried about the sun now because you can't film into the sun. You're, otherwise, you're just a big shadow. And sometimes in fishing, we have to position our boats, whether the wind's blowing or whatever, you know, uh, to what's better for us as fishermen to catch these fish. And there's certain ways to do it. And in a fishing show, you, you can't, you got to throw all that out the window. You know, I don't care if you're facing into the sun, you can't film. So, so the thing is you have to turn the boat and the wind could be drifting you down a hundred miles an hour and you have to turn the trolling motor the other way. And you know, it becomes a nightmare. Boat positioning, everything. Those are little things that you just wouldn't think of. Like you don't just go out and fish. You know, they can't, you know, everything's got to be, it's got to be the right shot. And um, yeah, that makes yeah. total sense, man. Well, and the other thing is too, one other thing that I want to point out that that's kind of tough and people have seen me in tournaments, you know, we do the tournaments. I've done them with Andrew and stuff like that. But the biggest mistake I've made in tournament fishing now that it's kind of cost me from the show. I've learned a lot from the show. It's helped me learn how to find fish with different techniques and stuff like that, because I told you it's like a job after you've caught them on the good technique, you know, you gotta, you gotta try something else. Uh, the one thing that's killed me in tournaments is in a show, I do something you probably shouldn't do, or you, I know you shouldn't do in a tournament, which is you, I try to get those fish to come out of the air. I try to pull on them. You know what I mean? For the camera shots. So people at home can see the fish come out of the water. It is so cool. Those kind of shots are really cool. You can throw them in slow motion, but in the reality is in a tournament, you do not do that, you know? And so sometimes I get a little confused and I'll be in, I'll even be doing a show on a tournament and I need to keep those fish down. And a lot of times I'm pulling them right out of the water. You know? That's hilarious. Like, Let them jump and then we lose them. And you know, so it's costed me a few times. It really has. I have to put myself in a different mode. And when people say, oh, you ought to be fil filming tournaments, I personally don't like doing it because it puts me in a different mode. It puts me in show mode and not in tournament mode. And it does cost me, you know. So, so you get one in the boat and Darren's like, hey, man, I didn't get the shot. You got to let him go back out and swim out <laughs> so we can do this again. You know what? The reality is, and I'm going to be totally honest with the viewers, we do not 
do that. I know um, you don't. I'm just kidding, dude. Oh, no. No, I know. <laughs> I've seen people do it. But I mean, the thing is, is we've re- out, the reality is our show is filmed. Uh, oh, man, I can't tell you how many times I've caught a big fish and things just weren't right and we couldn't use the clip. Dang. And it, it's made me sick. It could have been the biggest fish of my day. And it, it just makes me sick that we couldn't use the clip. And I'm always telling Darren, hey, man, maybe you could throw a little music behind it or something and at least show the fish to show people I caught it. You know, oh, the sun was in the way and, you know, we got all these bad spots. And, you know, it's it's a nightmare, man. It's a job. <laughs> Interesting. <That makes> <laughs> but it's that a fun sense. job. Seriously. So, hey, what's the uh, – what? You were just telling me about the lake, the uh, story about Lake Pleasant with Andrew yesterday. What uh, can you tell the guys kind of what happened there? Um, okay, we we did this fishing forty eight tournament uh, for the boys and girls club, which was a great charity event. And Andrew gets out there with us and uh, love that guy to death. He's a fun guy to be around, and you know, like I said, a great sponsor and graphics. But I'll tell you, what ended up happening was we were out there fishing. And it was really windy that day. So we had to find an area that wasn't so bad. So the winds wasn't blowing in the mic so bad. And uh, so we were kind of, kind of hurt us a little bit, but in a way it kind of, we found some fish, which was cool. We'd caught two fish back to back and uh, I had to get another worm. So I opened my, my, uh, my little locker there to get, uh, get a worm out to put on my drop shot. And, uh, there was a guy that was in the very back of the cove bank fishing. And why anybody want to go fishing on a windy day like that blows me away. That's dedication. It is. Um, but uh, he, he saw us catch those couple fish. He decided to walk out towards the point, And he was trying to yell at us and uh, to find out what we were doing. And I'm like, man, I, I, I couldn't hear him. You know, the wind was blowing too much. I said, man, I can't hear you. I didn't want to move from where we were because we just caught two fish. And I said, you know, let me get, let me get a worm on and stuff and I'll, and I'll talk to you. I'll get closer or something. And so I was busy digging in the locker for a worm. And I told Andrew, run the front of the boat a minute. And Andrew gets up there. I don't know what happened. The only thing I know is I got my worm, the rod lock, I mean, the, uh, the compartment was still open and I was just getting my worm out of the compartment. And the last thing I remember was having my face planted in the, in the camera bag in the well of the boat. (laughs) I could see everything that was in that bag and thinking to myself, how did, how did I get from putting a worm on to, uh, to my face planted in there? And then I realized, man, I got 250 pounds of Andrew on top of me. He fell over. He tripped. The wind or something caught him. He hit the trolling motor. I don't know what happened, but he tripped and fell right on top of me. <laughs> we look like Laurel and Hardy out there trying to film a show. Uh, the entertainment value is great, but we look like, like fools. You know, like my grandpa used to say, I look like a doggone foo, you know, but it was crazy. Um, Did you just call him out for being 250? Oh, yeah. He's all a 250. <laughs> He's all a 250. He won't admit it. He won't admit it. It's but, all muscle, right? Well, yeah, I'm 235. He's got to be bigger than me, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm sure he's more like hmm. – I couldn't tell you. Maybe it doesn't know. matter. I just think it's funny you called him 250. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. I, got I it. felt I got like it when he was on top of him, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it felt like it. Yeah, I felt like I just got tackled by a linebacker. Anyways, so the funniest part, the funniest part of this thing was that guy that was trying to get info out of us after we fell and looked like a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of comedians. 
he uh he kind of waved his arm down like uh yeah I, I don't think i need information from you guys i thought you knew more than what you did mm-hmm. it was funny and that's he starts awesome. walking back to the back of the cove and just kind of, you know, I'm like, hey, I'll give you some. No, that's okay. That's okay. You guys look a little busy. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait and talk to some other guys. Yeah. Yeah, I'll wait to talk to the guys behind me, which was Scooter, of course. You know, with Scooter Scooter would have gave him the, the, the advice, you know. But, yeah, no, it was fun. We had a good time. Always loved fishing with Andrew. And, and uh, he's always funny. And he's a natural in front of the camera as well. You know, you've seen him. I'm sure you've seen him do his little dance moves and stuff. He has fun. He just has a good time. How many times has he fallen in the boat, dude? Like, Uh, he's the perfect guy to take in the tournaments because uh, everyone I've seen, every episode I've seen with the two of you guys, like, it just gets crazy. Well, you know, and and, and with with being out with us in the boat, Josh, you know Darren's got to have a camera bag as big as the well of the boat. So he puts that camera bag in the middle. Well, the net's usually in the back. So trying to get to that net is a nightmare. And you're tripping over all the camera equipment and everything down there in the well trying to get to the, trying to get to the net, you know. So, uh, you know, the last few times I've taken Andrew out, it's, it's been a little painful for me. If he's not landing on me, we did one show at Hidden Lake where he went to set the hook and broke his line and knocked me in the head about knocked me out with his rod. And... Uh, you know, he kept talking like the, like the film was still going, and I'm de- I'm laying on the floor about ready to die. You know, <laughs> I'm holding my head, and and he's looking at the camera, explaining what happened. Oh, that was funny. He's I'm telling get the you, shot man. first. Oh yeah, the shot always comes first. You know, and then I I have to admit I had Dan Zaring on. Uh, what was it this year? And we went out, and he did the cardinal sin where you when you catch a fish on top water. You know, we didn't have the net. He brings it up, and he goes to grab that fish. And the fish had jerked, and he caught that that Rico in his in his uh, finger, that treble hook. And the whole time I'm doing the first part of the segment because I just keep things rolling like it's live. He's got a hook in his finger, and the look on his face is like, "Will you shut up?" He, I, you know, I got a hook in my finger. We need to cut this clip and move on, man. I got to get this hook out of my finger. And I'm sitting there talking like nothing's going on for five minutes. You know? <laughs> like, Dude, it's just an organic opportunity to show the line trick, right? So you can just show the viewers. Now, here's how you remove a treble hook. Well, I was going <laughs> to try to show that. But by the time we, after we got done with that clip, he had taken pliers and pulled it out. It was like, oh, tough dude. guy. Yeah. Oh, I said, your fingers are going to be sore, dude. We could have done the old line trick, but he got it out. He did it SEAL Team Um, 6 style. Huh? He did a Navy SEAL Team 6 style. He just went for it. I'll tell you what, you know a true true man, man, when he can do that and and go through the rest of the show and act like nothing's wrong. You know, it's like, uh, you know, that's insane. I've had that happen a couple times on the show, and good for them. I'm happy they were able to get through it, but you know they went home crying, you know? (laughs) It's like, oh, I love it. I'll tell you what, there's nothing more fun than making these shows. So, Johnny, you just were saying you're – I'm not that great at math, but 23, 24 years now making the show. What are some of, over the years, some things that just stand out to you as, like, cool moments, funny moments, ridiculous moments, some of the stuff that just happens that make you shake your head? What things pop out to you? You know, many a times we've done shows – one of them here. One of them was just a couple of weeks back. Uh, I was trying to do a bass show, and the fishing was just absolutely terrible. 
my buddy Matt Shura says, hey, good luck. I was there yesterday, caught two fish. And I'm like, oh, no, this ain't going to be good, you know, but we got to get something done. And we get out there, and he was right. It was really tough. Caught a few little ones, and and we ran over uh, – we were just getting ready to go in, and I ran over a, a school of something, and I looked down, and I'm like, I'm going to drop a spoon down there. And we ended up uh, – we made it look like we were actually looking for them, I guess, but – we ended up on a, on a big school of crappie. So we sat there and spooned a crappie show right there, <laughs> you know, nice. little last minute things have saved my bacon. Let me tell you, um, you know, I've, I've had a pretty good, you know, because we can control somewhat of our, what we do. Um, it's been, it's been a great, great deal, but I think the things that really make it tough to do this show or us getting out there and finding out the fish is just not good because we're fishing the same lakes everybody else gets to fish. And we go there with a predetermined uh, thing of what we want to do, and it just doesn't happen. As far as uh, funny stuff, I'm very lucky. Everything you've seen that's been funny on my end has been filmed. Uh, I'm not liking how we put the camera in the back. I know a lot of people like that. Uh, I'm not saying I don't like the, the view, but now we have a camera that uh, sits in the back of the boat uh, that you can actually see Darren. And a lot of times it'll catch him off guard when something happens with me. And that's how you end up catching stuff like Andrew falling on me. Because at that point, Darren was not filming. Oh, you got it on the GoPro. Exactly. And nice. that's going to start showing some stuff now that was never seen before that Darren can use and laugh at me about. Uh, so you're going to start seeing a lot more stuff because I try not to, <laughs> I try not to uh, 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 make too many mistakes, you know, as far as that goes. But, you know, I've caught a lot of grief for the old chips routine where I, you know, I, you know me, I, I'll put on some weight and I'll lose it. And, uh, uh, you know, trying to bend over for those fish is what kills me more than anything. <laughs> That's why you see me swing them in sometimes, but I should lean over and grab the fish, but, you know. It's insane. I've had some fun times with it, but, uh, you know, I, I like goofing around with my, with my guests more than anything. I have a lot of fun with them and, and I love Man. them showing what, what, what they have to show, you know, something different than what I do sometimes. It's a lot of fun. How do you get a guest to loosen up, man? If they, if, the, you know, maybe they're newer to it, they're, you know, they're, they're just kind of locked up tight when that show starts, obviously like catching fish is the biggest thing, but, um, you know, how do you, how do you maybe get a guest to, to start having fun if, if they're nervous for the first time on camera? Um, a lot of times I just keep talking to them. Uh, and I try to turn to the camera, talk to the uh, folks at home. I want people to realize that when I take uh, guests out with me, that <clears throat> they're still there. So I have to turn to the camera and look at the folks at home and, and let them know what we're doing and, and explain what's going on and things like that. And I, I try to joke around with the, uh, a lot of times with, with our guests and uh, we've had guests on that have been serious as all get out. I'll never forget taking Mark Kyle out. And he, he just, he was incredibly a great fisherman and so technical uh, that I was like, Oh man, we got to get some entertainment. And when you loosen that guy up, Oh my goodness, he is a riot. We loosened him up and I went, Oh my goodness. You know, cause I, at first nice. I'm thinking, well, oh, he'll, he'll be great for an informative DVD. But as, as far as uh, personality-wise, I was a little worried. 
And then Mark just loosened up and he was funny and <laughs> he was giving me the grief all of a sudden. You know, a lot of times we can loosen them up and they don't realize the camera's back there after a, a couple of hours. But the first hour, you know, it's like that deer in the headlight look and then I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's almost like a guide trip sometimes, man. Like, you know, I've had some really guide trips that start out like where the fishing maybe starts out slow and you're like, Ugh, you know, uh, you know, this, this guy's a tough nut to crack. And, uh, but Hey, you know, things start flowing, you start catching a couple fish and, uh, it's like a completely different person. Yeah. You know, you've been out there with me. I'm like, Hey Josh, I thought you was going to put us on some fish, man. What's going on? Hey. <laughs> you described our friendship for 10 years, Johnny. I feel like I said that every time I get the boat with Josh and he's like, dude, I don't know, man. Just what it is. I I say the good stuff for Johnny. I think we've gets, delivered every time. Water. You have. He does. I got to tell you about this this little story with Josh. It cracked me up. He uh, he takes us out to Saguaro Lake on the last show I think we did, and we were doing the Carolina rig, and and uh, we get up to this spot, and he says, "Okay, this is the area." I'm like, "Okay, where am I casting?" He points. He goes, "Over there." He says, "Cast over there. There's a rock over there." So I cast over there, and after I make the cast. He throws out there and goes, you missed it by about 15 feet. And I'm like, what? And as soon as that thing lands, he catches the fish. And I'm like, man, you know, when I take these guys out there, they've already got it planned to make sure they get the first fish every time. At know? least I told you this right general <laughs> direction. I thought you were going to say I threw it like 180 degrees in the opposite direction, dude. I loved it, man. That was it's too politically correct for that, Josh. We all know you wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Hey, you know, Johnny. Johnny, you, what year did you win the U.S. Open? Uh, 2016. Can you talk about that a little bit and tell us, uh, uh, you know, at what point did you think you were going to win? Did, you know, uh-huh. did you have a, were you leading the first day? Just go over it a little bit. That's, I mean, sure. probably one of the biggest tournaments in the, well, definitely in the Western United States. Um, and yeah. to be a, a winner of that is absolutely phenomenal. So go over it. Yeah. You know what, Rob, it was, uh, it was definitely the highlight of my life. I've, I've had a lot of great tournaments in the past. And uh, my first boat I won, I think, in 1999 with the All-Star Superstar Championship, which blew I, me away. Yep. I, that, that was fun. That was at Apache Lake two-day tournament. But to go to the U.S. Open and, and do that tournament, I've been doing it since 94. And uh, I've had a lot of fun in it. I've won a few checks here and there. But I'm going to be honest with you. There was not one time in that whole tournament I thought I was going to win. And here's why. I had a terrible practice. I tried reaching baits. I tried to find them in different areas. And I just, I just had a terrible practice. And even my, my friends that I go with, Andrew, Matt, and those guys, they were, they were killing me, man. I, I just, you know, and then you get on Facebook and everybody's posting their big fish. Or what their they one big fish they caught. Practice. Yeah, exactly. And I've Hashtag learned to quit doing them. that because it just jinxes me. So I'm thinking these people are wrong and I'm like, Oh man, this is, this is terrible. You know? And I remember Matt asking me that he says to me, he says, what are you going to do, man? And I said, I'm going to pick up the drop shot rod and it's not coming out of my hand. I know a spot where I can at least try to get a small limit and I'm just going to try to survive this tournament. That's all I was going to do was survive the tournament, try to get in the top 40 or try to make a check. That was my, that was my only goal, you know, because I had such a bad practice and I was there a week. And, uh, anyways, so I went to this area and I started throwing that drop shot and I would get bit literally about once an hour and the first day. 
and I come in with a seven pound bag and I'm sitting 47th place. So I'm in there, it's 187 boats at this point. So I'm in there for that check running. You know, I want to, I want to, yeah, I'd have to do good the next couple of days, but, and I thought to myself, you know what? I uh, didn't really start catching those drop shop fish till about eight o'clock in the morning, you know, seven or eight o'clock in the morning. So maybe what I'll do the next day and, and Josh, you guys, all of you guys understand the strategy point of, of going in the, the next day thinking, okay, what can I do to, to get that bigger bite, you know? And, uh, because I'm thinking to myself, gee, all I need is just one good reaction fish and then go back to the drop shot and come in with maybe a nine pound bag, you know, and move myself up. So I gave myself two hours in the morning, the second day. And I decided I'm going to go throw a spinnerbait. And I went through a spinnerbait on uh, the areas where I thought maybe some big smallmouth would be. And uh, I managed to catch two beautiful smallmouth. And I, I think they were, you know, just good, solid, good keeper smallmouth. And then I went back to that same area and started fishing along there. And I started figuring out the drop shot bite a little better. I started finding a pattern, not just going down the bank, but I actually really started finding anytime I felt just a little bit of grass on the walls, you know, when I was digging through there and it, you know, I could, I could find a fish. And so I really started looking for that. And, uh, I managed to bring in another limit the second day, which came to nine pounds, nine pounds, put me, it put me in fourth place. I could not believe it. And I won the big bag day. For nine pounds, even. That was one of the lowest weight opens ever. Tough. Oh, oh my goodness. I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to repeat what I did the next day. Well, which was really cool because I'm like, uh, you know, I I really want to, you know, at least scratch out a top 10 here, you know. And I was a pound, I think a pound and a half or something like that out of the lead. And I'm like, you know, as long as I can get in that top 10, I'll make a decent check. And I just want to stay solid, you know? And uh, so I went back out there and I said, you know, I'll give myself an extra half hour of throwing that blade. Maybe I can get one more good bite, you know? And uh, managed to go out there and caught another couple of great smallmouth on it. And then I went back to that pattern of, I, I just want to limit out. Well, the problem is, is the first day, Everybody was blowing by me. They saw me. Of course, my boat's obvious to see. You'd see all these guys fly by me. And, of course, you know what's going to happen when they fly by me the first day. They're all yelling as they go by. <laughs> you know, they're giving me the laugh as they go by. <laughs> the second day, <laughs> they go by. The third day, when I'm sitting in fourth place and they start to go by, all of a sudden you start to hear motors drop. Weak. And you're like, that's so weak. Oh, oh my goodness. That's the – that is the, uh, the kill of death for me, you know, as far as, oh, no, you know, they know where I'm fishing. I'm going to have a tough time fishing my area now because instead of having one boat or two boats along this wall, now I've got 15, and that is not a joke. I, yeah, I couldn't work. go 10 yards forward or 10 yards backwards. It was insane. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't fish anywhere. You know, this is where I was catching them. And so they kind of pushed me out of my spot. I had, uh, I was a fish short of having my limit. And, uh, so I went across, I just looked at my partner. I said, Hey, let's go over there. That. Oh, we lost it, Johnny. 
Uh-oh. Right as he was coming to the final yeah. moment of the We're final day. We're climbing the final journey to the climax. <laughs> and and it started can, snowing in the White Mountains. Let's see if we can get him I back here. There. Oh. I went across there, found a grass patch. I found a grass patch, threw it in there, and boom, caught a three-pounder. And nice. I went. The second day I come in, or the third day I come in with an 11-pound bag, and I end up winning a tournament by two pounds. Could not believe it. That three pounder was the fish, dude. Wow. Yeah. Oh, they pushed me. Sometimes things happen for a reason. And we've all fished enough tournaments to understand that, that, you know, and there's times you get a little upset because you feel people are kind of ridging in on your water a little bit that you've had to yourself. But then sometimes they push you into an area and make you fish, you know, some different areas and, and, and it helps you. <laughs> And yeah. uh, it's happened twice to me. It happened lemons out of, lemonade out of lemons, man. Yeah. I had a situation like that at Lake Pleasant in a Juan Bass Pro-Am years ago, but it went yeah. the opposite direction. The first day I was sitting on a spot out in the middle of a channel, and I was literally drop shotting them in 65 foot of water, and they were all like two and a half, three pound fish. I had a wow. really good limit the first day. I was sitting like fourth place. And I had all these boats trying to move in on me. So I was like yelling at guys and chasing them off. Oh, well, no. the, ne <laughs> the next day, I mean, I thought that thing was like as solid of a bite as you could get, right? And yeah. th the next day was nice and warm and sunny. And all those fish went to the bank and everyone around me caught them. And I didn't catch anything. So it was like, it was just one of those situations where now I can't move on in on them because all I did was yell at them the day prior. So you got that car punched, Rob. I did. I did big time. I thought when you but... said it was the opposite, I thought your story was going to be you poaching other people's water. No, no, you. I thought no. you were going to say you were <laughs> dropping in on them. No, none of that. But <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Hey, Johnny, yeah. going back to uh, the U.S. Open, I've done it two years in a row now. I'm pretty new to tournament fishing, but yeah. how, do you, how do you feel it's changed since you first started fishing there? Um, there's been a few changes that uh, you know, I, I've always loved the U.S. Open. There's been a few changes I don't like. Um, they've cut off Benelli Bay, which is, what, five miles or a couple of miles down the, the deal where you have to use, you have to idle in. So you're wasting, you know, 30 minutes of time trying to get to the back. And then the same thing with the jip beds. Uh, it's trolling motor only in there. You have to raise your motor up. And if you're willing to risk it in there, but you, you've got to pretty much give your whole day to that. And, and with Lake Mead, um, you have to move and groove, man. You really do. It's these fish yeah. are here today, gone tomorrow. It and seems that way. Well, talking to people like Clifford Perch, who's won it three times, he'll go into a cove and find them one day. And the next day they're five coves down because they're chasing those shad. Shad don't stay still. So you'll find them in an area and think, oh man, I've got it. And all of a sudden they're five coves down, you know? <laughs> I so you got to keep moving and grooving. And so it's hard to give up your whole day to those certain areas. I think uh, I've kind of experienced that this, this year with John Stewart. He was doing really good the first day. Yeah. And I went out with him the second day and they just weren't there in that spot. And yeah. uh, it, it, it was just lots of little 12, 13 inch fish. And um, now I was more curious too about um, – has the fishing been the same at the lake or have you seen it's gotten worse as far as, you know, how many fish are in there, the size? Um, you know, since I've been fishing it, to be really honest with you, I would say maybe a little bigger. I, I remember when a seven pound bag a day would cash a check, even when we oh, had wow. less boats, when, when the U S open had a hundred and 
25 boats or, you know, under 150 boats, um, it seemed like if you had a seven pound bag, you were cashing checks. So, you know, and, and we keep thinking that every time we go back, now we're finding out it's, it, you got to have a little bit more than that, I think, but, but we're also getting more boats. Uh, the pressure is there. Um, that's the one thing I've noticed about it is the pressure there. As far as the fishing goes, uh, it's been, I've actually been doing, uh, this year I didn't prove it and last year I didn't prove it, but you know, I cashed seven times in a row there. I mean, I, I've been catching fish there. Uh, it seems like they're there. Uh, and, and, and it seems like the, some of these guys are catching some bigger bags. You would have never heard back in 94 when I started fishing, it was hard to find a 15 or a 17 pound bag. And sometimes these guys are coming in with that, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, what in the world, man, that was a once in a while thing. Now it's becoming a once every year thing. You know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah you know, totally. usually if you had a 12 pound bag or an 11 pound bag, you're leading the doggone thing, you know? Um, so, so re reality is, you know, I mean, the, the lake has shrunk obviously. Um, but uh, things have changed. I don't know if it's the gizzard shed that have changed all these lakes or not. I, I've noticed a big change even in Roosevelt. Uh, there's a lot of suspended fish, man. There's just, they're doing something different. It's, fishing's changed. It ain't like it used to be, you know. Mm -hmm. um, these fish have, have, have either figured us out or they, they're doing something different sometimes. <laughs> we got to figure it out. I'll leave it to the young guns to figure that out, and I'll learn off them. <laughs> oh, whatever. Well, <laughs> so Johnny, you know, just, and, and um, we'll let you go here in a minute. Cause I know we've been going a little bit long, but uh, like, as far as, as far as you saying mead, like maybe some guys are catching slightly bigger bags. You're starting to, to catch bigger bags than you used to. Do you also think that maybe equipment's gotten so much better anglers are, are learning so much, so much faster. Um, and, and there's not really any secrets anymore that, maybe those fish were there, but guys are just learning how to catch them a little bit better, a little bit better every single year. You know what, Josh, I think you just hit the nail on the head, my friend. Uh, fishermen are better. They've got a lot more access to more information with the internet. Obviously the equipment is so much better. Uh, the, the graphs are unbelievable. I mean, you have to be a computer technician anymore to, to, to read these graphs. And uh, so you're, you're right. I mean, that has really helped the fishing as far as that goes for, for, for everybody. Um, I remember back in the day, I used to actually cherry pick sight fishing tournaments. I never ever hardly saw anybody sight fishing and I've done shows on them over the years, the last 25 years. And, uh, and, and <clears throat> you know, now you see everybody doing it and now it's just uh whoever finds the big fish is going to get it done I, I try to tell people that they're like oh you've been a great sight fisherman and i've won a lot of my trophy sight fishing I, I have to admit but but the reality is is everybody's doing it now so you know if i don't run across that big fish it's kind of hard to win because you got somebody like you now that's out doing it <laughs> well know? everyone is but hey that's crazy to think about and rob has told me this before too like you know man like it's hard to fathom as a as an angler that's getting into bass fishing now or in the last 10 years, that is, I mean, sight fishing is a basic technique, but if you go back 20 years talking to you, talking to Rob, it wasn't like only the dudes that knew what was up would do it. Exactly. And, and half of the turn, half of the guys didn't even knew, know it was a thing. I've got no. a funny story about it. Um, 
in the early nineties, Mark Kyle and I used to hang out with John Murray quite a bit. And John came back from a tournament in Florida and started telling us about sight fishing. And he was talking about Peter T. You remember Peter T, right? Oh yes. Like he's like the, one of the OGs of sight fishing. And John was like, yeah, they would, you know, they would catch the male and then they would catch the female and it was springtime. We were at Lake Pleasant and John takes us out there and we start finding these sight fish and to think about what it is today. And, and like when we were doing, it was so new to us and we just didn't think it happened all the time. Right. And then now, I mean, it just happens every year. You just do it. It's just, it's a mainstream fishing technique now where back then it was so new. And so can you imagine being like Peter T or Guido Hibden, one of those guys that was on the forefront of that and just how dominant they were because of that? Well, if you remember right, back in the day, everybody used to be a specialist. You'd have a jig specialist, a spinnerbait specialist. You'd have a, you know, all these guys were specialists. I mean, how do we know Denny Brower? Yeah, he's a won. flipping jig specialist. Yeah, you know? they won when it was in their wheelhouse. Exactly, yeah. and uh, so so now you don't have that anymore. You got to have a lot of rods on the deck. You got to be a specialist at everything, and, and and it's because of the knowledge that's out there in the, the the computer world. The kids getting into it. The only thing that I would ever say to kids getting into this field nowadays is don't put the cart before the horse. Right. You know, I don't get on the bandstand and play my music without knowing my instrument or knowing how to play chords and knowing how to do what I'm doing. So I, you know, I don't go try to make money before I understand my, my craft, you know, and that's the only thing if I had to say anything to kids nowadays, learning this is learn how to fish, you know, uh, step into that wheelhouse and, and, and learn your craft and then try to make money doing it that way. Cause I'm seeing a lot of stuff that where I'm seeing, you know, a lot of people put the cart in front of the horse and, Wow, it's just it's amazing. And it'll be a it'll be a short-lived career if you do not learn how to become a good fisherman. Well, you gotta learn to love fishing on top of that. You can't just True. think it's it's not a job from the get-go, you know. I it's agree. something you gotta, you gotta be enjoy passionate it. about. Right. Yeah, you gotta really wanna go out and do it no matter what. <clears throat> you know, it's funny, I was watching Ty and Joe Uribe and all them back east this uh this last week at Kentucky in the snow. And I'm like, yeah, you guys need to come train up here. I, I've, I've had to fish in the snow and I'll be honest with you, the older I've gotten, I, I look at the weather and I'm like, yeah, you know, I love fishing, but I'm like, yeah, when I was a kid, it didn't matter. I'll go out there when it's freezing, there's ice on the water, poke a oh, hole yeah. through the ice. I don't care. I'm going, you know, and I have to be careful of that because as you get older, you get set in your ways, you start getting a little lazier and uh, I have to be really careful of that. And that's one of the reasons I still enjoy tournament fishing is it tries to keep me moving. You know, you, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so you have to get out there, compete, keep yourself jumping down in a well, changing lures, doing what you got to do to become a better fisherman. Otherwise, you get set in your ways and then you're gone with the wind. <laughs> hey, Johnny, real quick question. Um, I actually went to Blue Ridge up in, in Pine Top Lakes. Hey! And uh, jacket. yeah, was a big fan of the show. Watched it a lot. Um, what's your favorite lake up there in that area? Um, my absolute favorite lake has to be rainbow. Um, although they've had some issues with it lately. Um, they put these grass carp in there, which totally ate all the grass out. And if you lived here, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. That lake was full of weeds. 
it was great for bass fishing. I loved it. You might have to pull your trolling motor up every once in a while to pull the weeds <laughs> off of it. But man, I love that lake. I love dock fishing. I became a really good dock fisherman. It was just, uh, it's like a mini clear lake for any of you guys that don't know Rainbow Lake, uh, clear lake in California. It, uh, it, it's just a, a beautiful little lake. It's probably yeah. my all time favorite, but full hollow ranks right up there with it too. You know, I love full hollow. Yeah. Both great lakes. I, yeah. I enjoyed uh, show a lake as well, as far as a variety of species, but, um, rainbow holds some big fish in there. Sometimes my buddies would catch some nice bass. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great lake and we've got a bass club up here and we fish these lakes and stuff. And I'll tell you what, you want to feel like you're in the Bassmaster circuit, fish your little local bass club in your little local town where you know everybody and they've known you forever. It's on, man. I get the stink eye every time I show up and man, I go to beat those guys and they go to beat me. And when they beat me, I'll never hear the end of it. Oh, yeah. I can, I can, I can get out gracefully when i go to roosevelt or these other lakes but fishing this bass club up here you feel like you're fishing for a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> crazy fun. sounds like a lose-lose dude if you win they're mad that you showed up but if you lose you know it's oh. like hey oh we beat on. johnny we beat johnny but oh, yeah. oh oh that's all i ever get i, know I love feeling. these guys i do it, it it's really a oh no we're losing you again johnny can you hear us Johnny, are you there? Hopefully he pops back in. It's been a great interview and uh, it'd be nice to, to wind it down and actually thank him for coming on. I'm here. You're there. Oh. I'm here. Okay. Okay. We lost you there for the last bit, but Hey man, we've been going for so long. Uh, it's, it's a Sunday. I know you got to get to the restaurant. Um, thanks so much for hey. coming on, man. Well, yeah, thank, thank you, you guys so much. And you know, I'll tell you guys the same thing that everybody's always telling me you need to make the, is this an hour show? Uh, we normally do an hour uh, overall. There's not really a set time, right? So, like, the beautiful thing about podcasts is you could talk for 10 minutes or five hours. Uh, we just go as – Well, maybe we should turn this one into a five-hour episode. Have to go. You, you got me on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Everybody's always saying, you ought to make your show an hour. I'm like, dang, I could barely get a half hour out of myself. <laughs> oh, whatever. No, it would be great. Uh, the, everyone wants more, Johnny. Uh, oh, but yeah, hey, sure. uh, before, because we're losing connection too, but can you, uh, can you tell everyone where to find you on social media? Tell them about your restaurant, of course, on your show, when, when and where they can watch your show. Sure. Uh, Fox Sports Arizona, obviously for the show on Sundays at 930. It's running about four days a week now. Uh, so you'll have to look at your TV guide on that because the times change during the week. But normally on Sundays, it's says 930 in the mornings. In the picnic baskets up here in beautiful Pine Top, Arizona, come up and have uh, breakfast and lunch. We're open from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And we've seen quite a few fishermen, and we love you all. And, and uh, like I said, come up and see us and enjoy a great, great meal. We got to see Josh last week. And then, uh, you know, on social media, it's Fishing with Johnny Johnson, everything. You know, just go to fishingwithjohnnyjohnson.com for our website, Fishing with Johnny Johnson on Facebook, Fishing with Johnny Johnson on Instagram. So we're there. And I should post more, and uh, but you know, it's just one of those deals. You get so busy, it's hard to keep up. You know, I think you're selling yourself short. He's active enough, folks, where he's fun to follow. It's not like he's on there making a post every once a year, um, like Rob. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Rob's he's, back. He's pretty active, so uh, make sure you guys go follow him. You guys have been fun. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, it's always enjoyable. I know I'm a, a chatterbox and have Perfect. a lot, you know, 
But uh, I'll tell you, I, I sure enjoy all of you. And uh, Nick, I'll never forget our tournament at Lake Mead. It was a blast. And uh, really, really had a lot of fun with all you guys. And I sure appreciate you having me on. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks yeah. so much. Can't wait to uh, watch the next show and can't wait to uh, fish with you again, man. But uh, yeah, have, have a great rest of your Sunday, Johnny. Thank you. You too. You guys have a great day. See you. All right. See you. Huge thanks to Johnny for coming on. And as always, huge thanks to the listeners for tuning in every episode. Again, any chance you get, we'd really appreciate it if you shared the podcast with your friends, shared it on social media. Um, hope you'll have a fantastic week and we will talk to you next week.